an upcoming or someone who is aspiring to become an MC? What you what would be your advice to such a person? Before I even get there, if you are going to be a master of ceremony, be a master of ceremony. If you want to be a comedian, be a comedian. They are not the same thing. On this week's episode of the podcast, I spoke with Damien, the king of the mic. Join me as I take you through a journey of dream, of belief, of loss, of excellence, and a clear vision. Let's get into it already. Now, let's start like this. Your name, is that a stage name or your real name? Okay, my name is uh, Chukwe Buka Damien. Chukwe Buka Splendor Damien, that's the full name. So, Chusi is actually uh, more like a coinage from um, Chukwebuka, which is my full name. Damien is actually my surname. So it's Chukwebuka Splendor Damien. For my job, I had to uh, look for something very uh, easy to pronounce for people and something that is also very, very catchy and trendy. So I chose Chusi. Chusi Damien is actually a stage name. Right. Now, talking about um, your career, when did you decide to... Or what I think the, the first question I should ask is, when did you decide that you really wanted to do MC as a career? When was that? And what events in your life led you to that, that stage where you came to the realization that this is what I want to do with my life? I think, or yeah, I think I, 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 I've always had the talking thing inside of me. Because I remember one of the most profound um, pictures I have of me as a child was me holding a mic. And then um, um, growing up, I had a few bouts of, uh, you know, me being engaged in um, creative uh, acts like drama, uh, debates, and all that. Although I was someone who was very shy and I was camera shy and I had issues with self-esteem while I was younger, you know, so uh, at my secondary school, yeah, I, I would, I would, I would intentionally miss um, morning, morning assemblies because if, if, I, if it was my turn to do the normal morning information thing, I would intentionally not go to school because I can't remember the things I read when faced with a crowd. So on an occasion where I, I, I said, okay, let me just try I went to the crowd and I forget forgot everything I was supposed to say, you know, and I was just there. But then after secondary school, I left secondary school. I met a, I met a friend of mine, Namdia Nasike. He's in Abuja now. He introduced me to a particular platform, a youth platform, where I began to meet people and I started reading books. And then I began to come out of my comfort zone and shell. And then that was where the whole thing started. Okay, and then I had also been clowning for children, and then the feedback and appraisals from clients I worked for was always was was good. So I felt, okay, guy, this is a time to brand it up, you know, um, and have a presence, and then go more corporate, and then have a like have of a, a full time uh, corporate entity called Damien Chisi or Chisi Damien, yeah. Right now, before I talk about because I've seen your work again and again on my status, and so. I kind of have an idea of what you do, how you do what you do. But before we even yeah. touch on that, I want to go back to something you mentioned in your, in the answer to the, to my last question, which is the issue of self-esteem. Were you able to pinpoint the thing exactly that caused the low self-esteem? And um, 
um, was it by doing talking and what your friend introduced you to that you were able to snap out of it? Yeah, in which respect, I, I am able to discover what was the issue. I'm a first son, first child. As a first son, first child, it's like you don't have any um, precedent, so to say, like, you know, because every other person around me at that, at, 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 at that time, they were all still growing up. Uh, you go to school and then you meet people who maybe you see them, their parents come to pick them in fancy cars and all that and all that. And then peer pressure set in. Then you have people, you, you have um, classmates or yeah, friends who were the life of the parties at that time. And then they are always going out, going to swim, going to do all that. And then, you know, you, you couldn't afford such lifestyle. So you had to maybe lie or try to meet up with those expectations that they had of you. And then at, at, at that time, I was the youngest in my class. Maybe not in my class, but within my group of friends, I was actually the youngest, you know. So I had people who were more, you know, advanced in years and then experience and exposure. And then I was trying to meet up. So that whole uh, gap there began to dampen on my idea of who I am. And then that resulted in me having some self-esteem esteem issues, you know. So I could pinpoint that that was the case. You know, it was a totally an issue of peer pressure and, and a, an issue of trying to live up to expectations from people, you know. And then, yeah. When my friend introduced me to that platform, I met younger people, teenagers like myself at, the, at that time, you know, who loved God, who, you know, we are listening. Uh, we, 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 we are being taught with materials from John Marshall Leadership Institute. And then that really opened my eyes. I read lots of books. You know, I began to understand that the, my through worth or self-worth was, it wasn't about what was in my environment or people's definition of me, but rather what the giftings and abilities that are in it inside of me, you know? So, and, and when that happened, that was the Eureka moment for me. And I was able to come out of that place of low self-esteem and then had a, a, a healthy uh, esteem of who I was. And that was, that was the game changer for me. Right. That's interesting. Now, um, I want to talk about another thing you mentioned in that quote, in the answer to the question, which is going to the university. How was the transition from secondary school to the university? And what did you finally study in the, in the university? I, I stayed two years after school. Two, three years after school, my, my mates were already in the university in second year or so. Then I, I did sciences in secondary school. And also, all this happened because of pressure too, you know. I did sciences in secondary school. I wanted to be studying medicine and surgery. Uh, but after two years, after trying for like two years, I couldn't get an admission into any of the varsities in Nigeria. So I, I decided, my dad decided, okay, why don't you do something closer to medicine and surgery? Okay, we now went for medical lab science. So I gained admission in 2017 to study medical lab science in Imusta University. I did three years. After three years, I left to study. I don't know what happened, but I just felt uncomfortable. I felt like, um, at, that, I, at that time anyways, you know, because we, we, where I am now, a lot has really changed. I have better perspectives to life, you know, and I, I think I would have done, if given the opportunity, the, the things I did in the, in the years past, I think I could do them better. You know, so I left medical lab science in my third year to go back to start year one in psychology. So I finally graduated from Imo State University uh, with a BSc in psychology. 
Wow. So you had to write jam again? No, 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 no. Because psychology is a social science. I was already in a, in a science, uh, in a, in a, in a, med, in a health science uh, um, discipline. So all I did to do was just do a transfer from that place to the new department. Right. Let Talk to me about your first paying gig. How did you get it? And how was that <laughs> feeling that, okay, okay, I could actually get some cool cash from this team? Uh, I wish, I wish, I, uh, my first paying gig was 5K, sir. Wow. <laughs> and I was elated. Like, I was literally over the moon, you know, because my first official paying gig as a master of ceremony was a wedding. It was my friend, that my, my, my uh, primary school friend, we grew up together, George Akujubi. Uh, yeah, he's in the way right now. So he, he told me there was a church, a member of his church that was got, getting married. And then he needed me to come um, host the wedding. So I said, okay, fine, that's fine and good. And then he told me, okay, yeah, I was supposed to come to the joining. Only for me to get there, I was told that there was a second MC for the reception that was just going to moderate the white wedding. Huh. I'm like, really? Okay, I'm fine. A few times I went to the mic, called for the uh, congregational hymns, called for the uh, uh, clergy that was supposed to do the joining. That was all. And at the end of the day, I was told there was another MC coming for the main, because the, both the joining and the reception happened in the same venue. So I was told there was another MC coming for the reception. So all I did was just to wait it out. The MC came, and then I just enjoyed myself watching him do his stuff. And then picked up a few things, learned a few things, and then that was it. But that opportunity was my first uh, official paid um, gig as a master of ceremony. It was 5,000 there, and that was in, I think, about four years ago. Yeah, I think four or five years ago, yeah. Right. Then um, I also, there's something I love about the way you, I'm going to talk about branding a little bit later in this interview, but when did you decide okay. your, is it Monica, they call it now, the king of of whatever you have to remind me the, when, the king of the mic yes that's it i was trying to make sure i don't confuse it with Teju babyface who is the king of talk the king of the mic when did that like what was your what were you thinking about and how were you trying to position yourself when you came up with that that brand title for yourself so when i when i started and i delved into this whole thing it's been a transition for me I set out with um, uh, uh, taglines like uh, Mike God, uh, the debonair compare, the premium MC, you know. And at every point in time, I was trying to happen on a line that fully expresses myself, my, the entirety of what I believe and what I am, you know. Because I've had dreams of, I, I've had dreams of doing big events, the, re- the events that really matter, the awards, the Grammys, the Oscars. And so it, it was a transition for me. At every point in time, I was trying to curate the narrative that really, 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 really tells the entirety of uh, my journey in the industry and what my legacy would be in the industry. And so that was when I, it was just no more uh, thinking 
I, I, I spent time thinking a lot of times, you know, just to contemplate and uh, create things, images in my heart and in my head. I think in one of those sessions, I was just there thinking and pondering on stuff. I'm like, okay, the king of the mic, you know, it, it, it just came, I'm the king of the mic. And that was just it. I felt, okay, this is it, this is it, this is a good place to be in, you know, where I am recognized as the king of the mic. Right. But um, I, I would also like to talk about um, niche. Are there different niches in terms of when it comes to MCing? And um, if there are, what gave you the impression of what niche fits best fits you and what niche you wanted to actually pursue as a career? Well, it, it, when it comes to MCing, yeah, um, I, I may not necessarily call it a n- n- niche. I might call it, um, how do I explain it? Because an MC is an MC. That's why it's called a master of ceremonies. Yeah. Do you understand? Whether it's a corporate event, a wedding, uh, a seminar, a conference, a mitzvah, uh, a party, a birthday celebration, uh, a burial, whatsoever it is. So long as it's an event, that is why he's called the master of ceremonies. He's supposed to be uh, someone who understands at least uh, to the barest minimum, the fundamentals of every kind of event. So if he's called upon to do a wedding, he should understand the basic elements of what a wedding should look like. You understand? If he's called upon to do a corporate event, he should learn, okay, when I'm introducing um, elected officials and um, um, appointed officials, who should I introduce first? You understand? Uh, you know, okay, that's in a corporate uh, government function. Uh, maybe in a corporate um uh, uh, function for organization uh, an organization of multinationals you know what, what how do i introduce the speakers or the keynote yeah those things so those are basic things you should she should be able to know uh, so i might not necessarily call it niche because some there are people who do more of corporate jobs than they do weddings you know what i'm going to say is that maybe it's is a thing of uh maybe i will still finally use the word niche I don't know, but I feel, uh, for me personally, I am a master of ceremony. So I have, over time, learned the rudiments of every type of event right. and how to handle it. So if you were going to call me to come and MC a two-year-old birthday, I would do it. You understand? If you're going to call me to do a wedding, I'm game. Call me to do a government function, which is actually, now this is where I might say niche. It's a possible thing, a possible word to use. You know, I am drawn more to the corporate world. You know, however, a lot of people would see that I do more of weddings now. But in the fullness of time, my attraction has always leaned towards the um, corporate world. I don't know if I was able to answer your question, sir. Yes, I mean, maybe yes. if, if I didn't, you could rephrase so that I would. No, you did. You did. No, you did um, answer it perfectly. I guess, like the answer would be that even though you are drawn to a particular type of event, you could always do a kind of cross-platform if you are a good Exactly, person. exactly, exactly. Spot on, yeah? Right. Now, um, when we talk about MCing, we have some people who are good at cracking jokes. That's the kind of MCing they do. They, they do their MC, they crack jokes and the rest of it. And correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, I think like having watched your events, at least snippet of your events, something that sets you apart is your energy. I love the way you always 
kind of introduce the the bride and the groom, that kind of thing. Am I correct to say that that is something you you feel like it's unique about you and sets you apart from other master of ceremonies? Well, yeah, I know you're a brand person too. So in branding, you have to have your USP. You know what what it is that you you know this is your unique selling point. You know or uh, there's another word, there's another uh, terminology that is also used in branding. That that would mean, wh- why should a client hire you? I mean, there are thousands of MCs in Nigeria, very good MCs. So why would the client pay me the amount they pay me when there are a lot of other MCs that they could have paid even lesser to get the same service? It's about what you bring that nobody else brings to the table. And so one of the things, like you rightly said, is my energy. Uh, in, in trying to build a brand for myself, I said, okay, what is it I'm going to do that I know nobody else is doing? Or even if they were doing it, I might tweak it to be something that you know that anytime you hear anybody do this kind of thing, say, ah, this is what she would have done. She understands. Yes. And so that, that was what informed me. And I'm an energetic person, naturally. Naturally, I, I'm, I'm an energy kind of person and I thrive on good energy. You know, so I felt, okay, guy, once since the uh, when it comes to wedding events there are major highlights there are uh, event activities that are supposed to be major highlights for the day one of those event activities is the entrance the grand entrance of the couple you can understand their wedding uh, their first dance their first dance the their cutting of their cake those are major important highlights in the event flow so i am i now picked out okay the grand entrance how do I make the entrance so memorable for them? That's what informed my the whole um, using those um, powerful background sounds <laughs> and then bringing on the surround, you know, creating lyrics, you know, because if you listen to my stuff, it's almost lyrical and it's poetic, you know, creating customized lines uh, to introduce the couple. Yeah, then it brings me to the next question, which you've just pulled out of my mouth. Is what's the place of preparation to be able to do that? You know, uh, Moyo, we, we, we can't overemphasize preparation for any creative. I spend time rehearsing, sincerely. You know, I get appraisals from people and positive uh, feedback from people. Okay, oh, man, I like, I like your engagement tactics. I like this, how you introduce people. You know, and, and I've also seen colleagues who talk about the power of spontaneity. Very powerful stuff there. I mean, it's it's amazing to be very spontaneous because spontaneity affords you the opportunity to use words in your immediate environment to create fun, you know, or to create laughter, which I believe so much. That's 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 an angle of creativity that I mean, if if any creative is in that place, it's something that you can use to your advantage. I also believe in the power of preparation understand that in fact when you prepare well you can actually be more spontaneous because in preparation you have seen the entire event in your mind's eye and this is what i do for every event there's no event i go to that i have not seen in my mind's eye i've seen how the couple is coming in i've seen how the dj is playing i've seen all the games i want to do i've seen the possible 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 pitfalls or challenges that might come in the event space and then i'm looking at okay how do i deal with this particular thing you know Let's now zero in into when it comes to my introductions. Yeah, I rehearse my lines. I go over it 
over and over and over again, like over and over and over again until I'm able to, uh, by heart, recite those lines. And then I also um, talk to the DJ, my the colleague I'll be working with in the place. Okay, so maybe we'll just go over it again. Uh, sometimes I will have to play the soundtrack, you know, and then actually um, say those lines and gauge, okay, by the time the, the, the crescendo of this soundtrack, what would be the thing I'm saying? Is that where I want that? Is that the climax of, you know, so those things, those little, 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 little important details adds up to the entire uh, performance on the DJ, basically. Right. Now, also, I've seen that you do exercise, picking off clothes, those kind of things. What is the importance of looking, for lack of a better word, or pardon the, the use of this word, peng? Asana. No, bang is actually the idea. It's the ideal world. Right. So, <laughs> it's well, important because I exercise because first, the, the work I do is, very, is, a, is an energy demanding work. So if you are overweight or obese, well, that's, 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 you might faint on the stage. Like in December now, you have events 20, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th, like back to back. And sometimes you're doing interstates. You're in Lagos tomorrow. The next day you need to be in Abuja. You are flying. And almost, if, you, if you're not somebody who is physically fit, is going to weigh you down. You will break down. So that is why personally, and personally, exercising is a lifestyle for me. Even if I wasn't an MC, I would also be somebody who keeps fit, you know. And then looking good is good business. I mean, I, I can't charge you six figures uh, if you don't think I, I am worth it. I mean, so if I have to, I have to appear good. I have to look good. I have to, most times for me, it's about representing the brand I'm working for. So if I'm working for, say, uh, Zenith Bank, what do they look like? You understand? So uh, I have to pick the right colors um, that represent the kind of client I'm working for. So if I'm working for, luxury clients and premium clients i have to also is their brand i feel this is how i think if as an mc if a client hires me they are in invariably telling their guests their family and their friends that this is a representation of my person permit me to digress a bit now i've been doing this interview for a while now and then i'm someone that love listening to interviews and reading stories and then what i've discovered is that sometimes um, the passing of a loved one defines who we are and then defines our, our outlook to life. In fact, sometimes changes our outlook to, to life. Now, if you would permit me to ask this question, how did the passing of mom, God rest her soul, define you, you as an individual? Did it have an effect on you? And um, I'm asking this with all form of respect because I discovered that sometimes our story can help to heal someone that we even did not know who would be listening to this. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I get, I love opportunities that help me talk about my mom because uh, my mom was the biggest influence in my life growing up. She was. Today's my dad's birthday. Happy daddy, daddy. But my mom was the biggest influence in my life growing up because a whole lot of decisions I made, I made them because I was thinking about my mom. Of course, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not uh, ashamed to talk about some of these things. You know, gaining admission into the university, of course, you know how our varsities here in Nigeria are, you know, laden with um, 
peer pressure or the need to belong to some uh, fraternal, you know, societies and all that. My mom was the reason I didn't, I didn't get to make that move because I was always thinking about her. Yeah. When I made my transition from medical lab science to psychology, my dad said he wasn't going to, you know, support with his resources any longer. My mom was the one that told me, okay, son, my son, I can't, I can't, um, can't, I can't let you become a dropout. So I'm going to do whatever it takes. Fortunately, it was the same year I transitioned into medical labs and stress psychology that she left. You know, painful though. But those words were, it meant everything to me. And she taught me a whole lot that I, I, I know today. My mom taught me about family values because my mom was someone who accepted people. You know, she was, she was an open-armed person, you know. So a whole, lot, a whole lot that I'm also doing today is because I want to prove a thing to her. I remember one of the days I was going to the market with her, you know. That was on the heel of the whole saga and the whole thing I was because I was having this saga with my family. Why would I want to change three years done in a five-year course? Why would you want to change? And this was a course that had prospects. I said, where though, you know. So I told my mom, say, say, one day you sit in the house and watch me on CNN, you know, and that's, I'm going to make, I'm going to make real that dream. You know, I'm going to make real that promise I made her. Wow. Thanks for sharing that with me. I do not take it for granted. Now, how do you get jobs? Because it's wanting to be a very good MC. It's another thing for the job. I know there are two different things, your branding the, your ability, but there's also the marketing aspects, liaising, partnership. If if we have someone listening to us who is an upcoming, up and coming MC, can you just take us through how that funnel of getting jobs looks like? So here is my thought on that. First of first first things first, uh, we have to deal with the issue of content. You know, you have good content, yeah. You are talented, yeah which is very, very basic, you know, because uh, if, even if I go to talk about the strategies you could use for marketing and advertisement, and then you have work content, at the end of the day, it's going to be a bounce back. You should be ready to spend money on marketing. <laughs> That's just the truth, you know. Now, when I started, I didn't have a financial structure. But right now, I have a financial structure that ensures that Every single dime that comes to me from clients, a percentage of it is already earmarked for marketing and adverts. Wow. So I don't have to struggle to bring out money for sponsored uh, posts or putting my content on uh, um, industry-related blogs like um, Bella Niger. Sometimes your content makes it to that place without you having to do anything. Do you get Because maybe uh, they carry those um, content without you having to do anything, without you having to sweat a finger, you know. But then you just have to learn to blow your own trumpet because nobody is going to blow it for you. That's just the truth. You know, you have to learn that for you to earn money, you must also invest money. That's just the truth. So some blogs can charge you as good as 150 kit for just one content. But what you're looking at is at the range of people who are going to see that particular content. I am vigorous. You have to, that's, that's, that's the brand visibility. You have to be in the face of people every day. You have to ensure that people are consistently seeing what you're doing. I could call too. You know, it's, it's funny, but I do it. 
You know, I may not, I may not pick people's, I may not pick phone numbers to call people, but I could call. I get to the DMs of planners, you know, that exceptional planners that I really want to work that have the same set of values that I have as a brand, you know, because that's also important, you know. So I could call, I send them DMs, you know, I wish them happy new month, customize stuff like that. And then for the ones that I've worked with before, gifts, I would say the gift of a man makes way for him. You know, so you've got to be, you have to be able to learn how to, you know, funnel these people, your perspective, you funnel them, you know, until they become, you know, low hanging fruits or, you know, yeah, until they drop into that place where you're making a sale. So that's, that's just the, the marketing is very important. That's why you could have very talented masters of ceremony who have not left the business side of this business. I hope I'm correct. The business side of the business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they've not learned the business side of it, which involves this thing we're talking about, marketing. And then you have to have some good work ethic. I mean, because that's part of marketing too. I get to events one hour, one hour, 30 minutes before the event starts. I have time to interact with fellow vendors, introduce myself. My name is Tracy Damien. I'm the MC. What's your handle? Follow each other. Because you never can tell who will refer you. You don't have to be the kind of person. I don't know if you if you if you if you stay on the internet, you notice a whole lot of times they have to be, they have they've had to call out MCs. I mean that's that's brand damaging. You know, yeah. I have never been in a place where I want to have an issue with anybody. Yeah, they will guys say, ah, that MC he comes late, or that MC he mm-hmm. talks bad, or that MC is, is a vulgar person, or that MC he, he, he insults people, or that MC he begs on stage, which just which is something mm-hmm. I would never do. Talking about begging on stage, I, I, I've seen pictures of you emceeing an event where the big wigs of the society um, were, were kind of present at the event. Um, if I may ask, what has been your biggest job yet? Like when you saw the caliber of people, you were like, wow, wow, just wow. And how are you able to actually, what you just mentioned, how were you able to discipline yourself and restrain yourself to remain professional in spite of the caliber of people that were in um, that were guests in the event. So let me take you one after the other. I've, I've been at an event where I had past senior presidents, former vice uh, deputy senior president was there as the chairman of the occasion. The governor of the state, that particular, that was in the with the governor of the state was there. You know, they had amazing captains of industries, lawyers, science. It was a society, it was, when we talk about a full society wedding, it was a full society wedding. Current uh, members of the House of Reps, Abuja, and um, House of Assembly, we're there. I've had events like that too. I've had events where I saw the likes of, um, when it comes to uh, socialites, like uh, Cubana, Chief Priest, and their crew, you know. So I really can't tell which one that was the highest from where I but I know right. when I eventually I had I have been even where I saw Frank Oike Jr. I don't know if you remember Frank Oike, the former um minister of information or so during the Obasan Jose regime. Right. You know and so really been in an event where I saw very amazing people. Then how do I constrain myself? It's a choice. It's a choice. When I started I wasn't here. When I started I was also doing the normal thing MCs do, you know try to i wasn't literally begging but you know you know how you can use yeah. words to get people to you know chance with the the contents of their pockets with you you know but after some time I, I i knew it was unprofessional so i stopped so no matter what the temptation is 
highest, once they start spending money, I will just shift and go somewhere and stay. However, I, I still do my stuff. There are times I'm in an event and the couple says, I want to hype my people. She understands. Yeah. And in hyping, and, and you, if you're lucky enough, it's an Igbo wedding. Igbo people just like praises and they yeah. will just go ahead and, you know, show you uh, love. That's, that's, that's the lingua. Yeah. You, know, you know, get to appreciate you. But for me, uh, I, I don't think I'll be in a place where I would ever be um, tempted to want to engage in that unprofessional act of trying to um, beg for funds or solicit for people's funds on stage. That's why I charge you well. Pay me well, and then your clients can come and give you all the millions. I don't, I don't really, really give to, I don't really give attention to that. Right. Now, two more questions on MC. The first would be concerning price. I think earlier this year, whether December or January, I saw in your status that you were upgrading your, your charge. And then when do you come to another moment that you know, okay, now it's another moment to move higher? What's, what's informing your decision? Is it the demand or you just feel like, oh, now I think I'm in the stage in my career where I can charge more for what I do. Well, it's a, it's a, con, it's a consortium of all the things you've already mentioned. From demand, personal mm-hmm. appraisal of my uh, brand's relevance in the industry, to my portfolio, the number of events you've done. It's a totality of all those things, you know. So for me, at that particular time, I have, I have been able to uh, check the number of events I've done, you know, at a particular amount of money, and then check the the appraisals that came from people. What are people saying about your about your brand? What kind of clients are beginning to reach out to me more? You know, so when you consider all these things, that will tell you, okay, it's time for me to push my uh, professional fees a notch higher. You know, and then some of the time it's just a knowing; it just comes to you. You just know that yes, I'm there now. I should move from. A certain amount to a certain amount. You just know. It just comes to you. you know? And when it, when it happens that way, you notice that most of the people that will be coming to you at that particular time, when you tell them that price, there won't be so much struggle. And then you close deals like that. And that's it. Um, then the, the last question, I guess there should be one more. So the second to the last. Sorry for that. All the right, second sir. to the last is, now I know that I've seen it again and again. It's already kind of, imprinted in my memory that you want to be the king of the mic now tell me about your vision what does that translate to in terms of reality what do you expect from yourself in say five years time ten years time in this mc industry five years time i want to be one of the most um, masters of ceremony in nigeria in 10 years time i want to be recognized in africa you know, my, my dream, if you go to my vision board, is to be Africa's premier event event host. That's always been what I've been saying. Everybody that has been consistent with my journey and my growth would know that this is what I've been saying since four years now. For me, it's possible because I've seen it in my mind's eye. And every day I'm trying, I'm putting, I'm putting in efforts. So when, when in, in reality, what uh, being the king of the mic would mean for me is that when we talk about the important events the the headline events in in the industry i want to be be the the go-to person now the last question is 
advice for upcoming MCs? I think like career like MC is not something they teach in in the university. You probably might not yeah. even see videos of it um, lying around everywhere the, the way you would see skits for comedians and the rest of that. So an upcoming or someone who is aspiring to become an MC, what, you, what would be your advice to such a person? My advice to every um, aspiring master ceremony and even to those who are already in the industry is to stay true to yourselves. You know, of course, before I even get there, if you are going to be a master of ceremony, be a master of ceremony. If you want to be a comedian, be a comedian. They are not the same thing. You understand? Because that's one of the challenges most young people who want to come into the talk industry have. Being able to properly know the distinction between those two career paths is very important. An MC is a master of ceremony. A comedian is a comedian. His business, his business basically is to make you laugh. Then MCing is different because my job as an MC is to help the event flow, you know, ensure that the event flows smoothly from one activity to another. It's just to coordinate the entire event. So in an event, you can have a comedian and still have an MC. So what I'm going to say to anybody coming in as an MC now is stay, stay through to yourself, you know, and then learn to serve. Because like you said, there's no school, so to say now, an institution. So much of what you're going to do is to actually learn from people. So you have to learn to serve. You have to learn to be loyal, you know, to serve people who have been there, who have gone ahead of you, and know the industry hacks and secrets, you know. <laughs> because someone like me, there, there are times I have... They, I'm booked for dates and then I have like three, four, five calls on the same date. Now, in a situation where you have people who have stayed loyal to you, mm. who you've groomed over time, who have been there for you, you understand? It's easier for you to okay, ah, oh yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm booked for this particular day, but I have somebody I trust and I can bank on. I can put the entirety of my brand on that they are going to deliver exceptionally as I would have done. Please use them. Now, that person may not have, it may have taken that person two years to gain, to come to that place because the level of clients reaching out to me, it's the level that I am in. Yeah. You know, and what another thing, another skill that I, not like a newbie, but anybody wanting to excel in this industry is the someone who respects people, respect mm-hmm. people, you know, respect people, respect planners, I have a planner who I worked for who was nine. Like I was three classes ahead of her. But I call her Matilda. I don't take advantage of the fact that I knew her in secondary school. Why? I'm on her payroll. She gets respect people, even if you know them, even if they are your cousins. You know, and don't don't fake it though, because I know some people say ma sa 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 ma. It's just yeah. because of the paycheck. No, be true to your respect. Respect them, respect them in conversations with them. Don't take advantage of your you know, relationship with them or anything, you know, respect people and, you know, do your, do the most, do the most, put your all and the sky will just be a uh, landing part. So if anyone wants to book you, what are your social media and do so that they can connect with you outside of this interview? 
Okay, on Facebook and um, Instagram, it's Tracy Demian. IG, it's at Tracy Demian. Tracy Demian is C-H-U-C-Y-D-A-M-I-E-N. I take it again. C-H-U-C-Y-D-A-M-I-E-N. So on Instagram and on Facebook, it is Tracy Demian. WhatsApp, you could reach me on the digit 081-30-4758. Three seven zero eight one thirty forty seven five eight three seven. So that's you can call me or reach me on WhatsApp. So these are the uh, channels through which you can contact my management and have us come create some signature moments and memories in your events. All right, thanks a lot for yeah. doing this. I really appreciate. it. Thank you, Dio Moyo, for having me. Man, it's been um, an amazing thing.